Let's listen tonight. Good evening. Good to see everybody here this morning, tonight, whatever it is. It's been a, been a day for me. But uh, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. I've been, uh, if you're a teenager, uh, get ready to hit rewind. <laughs> this is a, a condensed version of about four, four lessons I taught the teenagers. Uh, but I, I've, I was, uh, uh, as Brother Curran said this morning, as I was listening online, the kid closes the Bible and says, I've heard this one before. <laughs> so my teens are probably going to say the same thing. But, uh, but uh, I uh, generally uh, try to you know, uh, work on sermons and stuff like that, but I couldn't get away from this. So I've, I've been stuck on this thought. Uh, I would, uh, probably about a month ago, I was looking through one of my older Bibles that I had uh, my mom actually brought it up to me that was sitting down in South Georgia. And she said, uh, you know, here's a couple of Bibles that you left down there. And, and I was looking through them, and they were actually my college years Bibles. And uh, I remember we had uh, two classes with Pastor Sexton. Um, one was personal evangelism, and the other one was, uh, I think, living the Christian life or something. I don't exactly remember. But basically it was him walking around the class with a bunch of freshmen that was scared to death of him. And uh, and he uh, played off that. I mean, he he would uh, uh, and he just talk about whatever's on his mind that day. It, it that's what he talked about. But uh, a couple of things we had to do in that class to pass was number one, show up, um, <laughs> and uh, number two, we had to do a hundred quotes, and and that was it. There was no test. There was no quizzes. No nothing. You just had to do a hundred quotes, and and uh, show up. And uh, so in the midst of, uh, I never really wrote down quotes or anything like that until I went to Bible college. And, uh, and so I started picking more up on those things. And my Bibles are full of just quotes and things. Uh, you know, for one, I, I wanted to pass class. But, but, uh, but uh, you know, looking through them, I, I was looking through something I got introduced to at college. And I know probably some of y'all that are English majors or something like that during high school. Um, that thought y'all were the cat's meow in English, uh, acrostics. Uh, that was my first introduction to an acrostic, really, was in college. And uh, I have several of them written for different words in the Bible, and one caught my eye that I haven't seen in years, and, uh, and I've been stuck on it, um, and it's growth. Um, if you uh, write it down for the... Uh, some children in here, I guess you write the word this way instead of this way. You spell the word out as uh, as acrostic is God reaching others with these hands. And I've I've been just enamored by that thought that really, you know, we 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 uh, overcomplicate the Christian life so much. You know, we, we may think that it's all about fun and games and, and coming up with the greatest theme for the year and, and that uh, whenever we go to talk to some about the Lord, we've got to come up with a great introduction to, to hit them with them and then they're going to be so enamored by how good of a speaker I am. And, uh, you know, but the truth of the matter is, it's just, it's God reaching others with these hands. It's not me. It's It's him. And we spend so much time on frivolous things. Uh, and uh, I was doing a little bit of studying today, and actually something I learned 
that I didn't know, and uh, because I thought the prison epistles, I thought Paul actually started all the prison epistle churches. Colossae, he did not start it. But the amazing thing about it is, is that he put just as much love and kindness and care for this church that he actually never went to and, and started or anything. Epaphras, Epaphroditus, I believe, is the one that actually started the church. And Epaphroditus was reached through Paul. But Paul loved this church, even though he really had nothing to do with this church. And it was a thriving church. It was God, seeing God do some great things. And he wrote him a letter. And uh, um, so I was... Uh, the theme of this book, I guess you can get out of it, is, is if when you're reading it, is, and I want you to catch this, this thought, Christ is the only one and only. That's the theme of this book. When you're reading it through, he's, you know, we, we talk about putting him, making him the preeminence of Christ. It's not that he's the top of the list, he's the only thing on the list. And that's the way we need to see Christ. And when we're reading the book of Colossians, we're looking at as Christ is the only one and only. He's preeminent. He's the only thing on the list. And, and Paul's encouraging this church, and, and it's amazing, he's sitting in prison, and you see the thankfulness that comes out of his book, and the gratefulness, and I mean, it's an amazing book. Uh, I was, uh, um, but uh, let me uh, shift gears, because I was about to say something, probably getting a jumping ahead of myself, so, so, so uh, because I, I have a hard time doing that, or a bad thing doing, bad habit doing that, all right, so one day I walked in, uh, walked in the house one day, and Mariah's been learning the guitar, and, and piano, and she's like, oh, don't talk about me, now. I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you, um, but uh, I've been learning with her a little bit, I'm not as heavily invested in it as she is, um, but, but one thing I can catch um, is tunes, I, I sing by hearing, and that's the reason why sometimes in the choir I'm sitting there shifting. If you're sitting behind, it probably drive you nuts because I'm trying to adjust my singing uh, because I, that's that's how I. Uh, if I'm standing sitting next to somebody that's off off key, and not saying that ever happens up here, but but if I I'll sing off key if if I'm not careful, or if somebody's singing higher than me. I'll if I'm not careful, I'll follow them and go there, and, and you don't want to hear me sing really high. <laughs> but uh, I walked in one day. And, uh, and I heard Mariah practicing, and I was like, well, that's good. And then she hit a chord, and I was like, that thing ain't right. It was way, man, it was way off. And, uh, and, I, and I thought to myself, I said, she needs to have that thing in tune. And so I walked in there, and I said, I said Mariah, I said, you need to make sure that every time you play this thing, it's in tune. Because if you, if you don't, you're going you're gonna to never get used to the right tune. And then I realized that the one that's supposed to be helping her didn't teach her how to tune the guitar anyway. <laughs> so so it's te- technically it was my fault in a sense. Um, and so we, we spent, a, spent a few minutes there learning how to tune the guitar and put the things and things like that. Uh, and that's one thing, you know, and, uh, we, we run into our Christian life. Another example is our family fun day. I, and I, I've been meaning to tell Pastor I was wrong uh, but I, uh, he was talking to somebody, giving them directions out to the camp. And uh, uh, he said, you go up to the crossroads there, and he said, there's a red, there's a red flashing light. And you turn there, and I looked at him and I said, there ain't no red flashing light there. And I drove home that night, and guess what? There's a red flashing light there. I, I live, I drive past that thing every single day. <laughs> And I've never noticed that there's a red flashing light there. It's crazy how those things work, you know. But, but, but uh, you know, Pastor, if you listen to this, I'm sorry I was wrong. But, 
But the truth of the matter is, is you know, sometimes in our Christian lives, that's the way we act. You know, we are, or that's the way we respond to things is that we're so used to driving that same road, so used to playing off key, you know, that, that we don't make the adjustments needed. We don't allow God to, to work in our life and allow the will of God to, uh, to change us into what He desires us to be. Um, you know, and just like me driving home every single day and not seeing that red flashing light, I have to stop and sit there and see that red flashing light and never noticed it. And, you know, a lot of times in our Christian life, we come to church and, and, you know, and I remember Pastor Sexton used to tell us all the time, the easiest place to get away from God is right here in Bible college. Easiest place in the world where you're just surrounded by everything. I, I've told the teenager before, my schedule for, for Bible college, I mean, you're talking... Uh, between, I mean, probably from 7 o'clock in the morning till 1, every single day, you were, you were exposed to Bible classes. And then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you had chapel. It was preaching, song services, Wednesday night church, Sunday morning. You had to get up early enough to get on the bus, to get on the bus to go, to go get kids. You load the kids up. You preach all the way back, excuse me, all the way back to church. You're preaching on the bus, running 60 miles an hour down the road. You give a song service, a preaching service, an invitation service. Invitation. Then you hand them off the bus, put them down into your uh, in, into their Sunday school class. You're teaching a Sunday school class, and you go to church, and you're at church, and then you're. I mean, you're just going on and on and on and on and on, and you're running wide open. And the easiest place in the world to get away from God is right there, right in the midst of all the of all the uh, the glamour and glory, should we say, of serving God. And um, you know, I, I remember there was a transition at Crown. I remember, and, and uh, I was. I remember sitting on the bus one day, and I, I kid you not, we had a it was a fifty passenger bus, I think 45, 50 passengers, and we had probably seventy five kids on this bus, and twelve workers, and and uh, it was pizza and skating Sunday. My stars, if you've never had that, it's awful. But <laughs> but. But I remember every Sunday was just a, we're doing this, we're doing this, and we're giving away to get, eat a goldfish Sunday, and, and I never did that. Thank the Lord. But, but, but uh, you know, and all these things, and then all of a sudden, Pastor just said, you know, we're, we're, we're emphasizing the wrong thing. Um, and we changed, and we actually lost a decent amount. I mean, we had 997 kids that Sunday uh, at Temple, on just, just riding buses. That wasn't including church kids. And, uh, and probably within six months, we were down to 400 kids. And what it was is we, we changed our answer. We weren't giving things away except we were just giving Christ. Now, now so that, that's not necessarily the most glamorous thing sometimes to people, you know, because the truth of the matter is if you're lost and you're without Christ, these things are foolishness to you. So it doesn't, it doesn't click. When you talk to a lost person and they say, I don't get it. I don't get why y'all spend all this time. Don't argue with them. They really... Don't get it. They, they don't have the Spirit of God saying that this is what's real, this is what's true, this is what's right. So they really don't understand. And so we have to get, be, be consistent in our message, consistent in what we're doing. And so I, I've been thinking about this again. And I know it seems like I'm going in a, in a, in a wild goose chase, but I'm, I'll get there. Growth, God reaching others with these hands. Which leads us to, which I need to get to reading the scriptures before, before I run out of time, because I will talk forever. But anyways, in verse 1, chapter 1 of, of the book of Colossians, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, 
to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you and since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the, of the love which you have for all, to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of truth, of, of, in the word of truth uh, of the gospel which is coming to you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth and bringeth forth fruit as it d- doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God, uh, grace of God in truth, as ye also learned of Epaphroditus, our dear fellow servant. Uh, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and, and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all, the, all, the, all might, According to his glorious power and unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us uh, made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Let's pray, Father. We love you. We thank you for your many blessings. I pray that you'd help us tonight, Lord. Help us to glean some things from your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, so we'll talk about just simply the will of God tonight. You know, I was talking about earlier that we, that we overcomplicate sometimes the Christian life, like there's just some, some uh, uh, great thing that we're supposed to do, some great word that we're supposed to say, but the truth of the matter is, you know, I've, I've been listening to a song, Brother Beeler walked in, I was listening to it, I, I think it was that song, but, but I was listening to a song earlier today that the only thing he bought was me. You know, if you look at that song, you, you hear them talking about he borrowed a mule, he borrowed a coat, he borrowed a tomb, but the only thing he bought in his entire ministry here on the life in this world was just me. And that's not saying much when you think of the dear Lamb of God. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, he he paid a huge price for me. Yeah. So there's nothing in a sense when you think about uh, uh, of of God's going to use Daniel Edgy tonight. Uh, I mean, I, I remember the first time I actually got to serve in a church fresh out of Bible college. I knew it all. I was going to show them how to do everything, and God humbled me. I'm talking about within 10 minutes of that first service. I, I'm talking about humiliated me. <laughs> I mean, I got up, and I was going to lead music in the church, you know, and first of all, the humiliation was there because I told God I'd never lead music in a church, <laughs> and I'd never use this church leading song, song leading class that I had in college, and I, and I, and I get up. And I get up and I leave my first song and I was and I was like, man, I did a good job. Turn around, sit down, and the chair fell. The chair seat went. Out. I mean, it was gone. I went in in between the chair. It, it just fell out. <laughs> and nobody knew that Daniel was being arrogant up there except me. And nobody got the point God was trying to prove except me. <laughs> but I went slap through the chair to the floor and, and, and just trying to crawl out of it. And the preacher didn't even see it. He was sitting there giving a joke and everybody was laughing at it. But they were really laughing at me. I was trying to crawl out of that chair. And, and you know, God has an amazing thing, way of working with humility. But, but you know, the truth of the matter is, I mean, I, when I got a Bible guy, I knew it all. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm a Crown College graduate. I mean, I mean, I mean come on, who wouldn't want me? You know, <laughs> but, but the truth of the matter is, 
is that God had to teach me some humility and understand. And, and, and in learning in my Christian life, I, I got the point that, that, you know, I'm no great prize to God. Now, I'm thankful that he looks at me as if I'm the greatest jewel on the face of the earth. But I'm not a prize to him. I'm just a vessel that, that I would desire God to use. And then when we think of it towards the will of God, if we looked at it in that perspective, that, that it's God reaching others with these hands. It's, it's God taking control of our life and, and in a sense that we're handing it over to Him, not forcibly, because that would be a, a, you know, a, a, I'm having a, a mental moment here, but... but um, he, we're not handing over our liberty. We're not handing over our liberty uh, to him and enforcing the will of God on us. But he's. But it, but we're allowing him to take control of our life, so that everything that comes through our life and in our life is for the purpose of reaching people for Christ. And we're looking through Paul here. Paul says in uh, in verse one, he says, "Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God." Now I want you to notice what he what he looks at uh, here when and when he talks about. And look at the first thing. That we see what is the will of God, all right? So the Bible says in verse, uh, uh, verse 2, it says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Now we'll stop reading there. So we look at what is the will of God, you know, uh, you know, some people say, I'm just searching for the will of God for my life. I'm just searching. I'm praying that God will show me the will of God for my life. And, and, and you know, what, what do they mean when they're saying that? Or what are they supposed to be meaning when they say that? Sometimes they're saying, well, I'm seeking the will of God for a job. And I'm seeking the will of God for a ministry. Or I'm seeking the will of God. But the truth of the matter is, the will of God is one thing. Now, there's many things that come out of the will of God that are responses to the will of God. It's kind of like, you know, cancer. Cancer is one thing, but it causes so many different things to go on in your life. Now, now they might treat, you know, we, we talk about that with sin, but, you know, they, they might treat the fever when it comes with the cancer. They might treat the this and that, and, but they're not necessarily treating the cancer. The will of God, in, in a sense, because we look at it, if you, <clears throat> if you take your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. <coughs> excuse me. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, and now this is speaking of the Lord's return, but, but, he's, but he's making a point whenever he's talking about it. In verse 9 it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. Alright, so he's, he's telling them, he said, Look, the day of the Lord... Now, Peter, they're talking to a church that's going through a lot of suffering. And he's telling them... He, <coughs> excuse me. Is this fine? Okay, thank you. He's telling the church, he said, look, God will have his vengeance one day. God will take care of it. He is coming back. So he says in verse 10, he said, the Lord will come back. But the reason why he's not come back yet is because God is not willing that any should perish. If I was telling Brother Beeler, I was listening to uh, Adrian Rogers uh, preaching. He was talking about learning to walk with God. And, and the amazing thing, he was talking about Methuselah. Um, and Methuselah's life, I think it was 969 years. And um, he said Methuselah's name, and I've looked it up, it does have two different meanings of it. But one of the meanings is this, when he dies, it will come. And, and if you study the, the, the years of Methuselah, the exact year he died, the flood came. 
Now you think about this with Enoch, and, and, I, and I just never thought of it in this perspective, but, but Enoch was raised in Methuselah. And the Bible said he was, he was a preacher, he believed God, he trusted God, he walked with God. Now, if, now back then the names mean something. When you name a child, so that means he really meant, he really believed that when he named him Methuselah, he really knew and believed that Methuselah, when he dies, something's coming. Alright, so Methuselah is the oldest man that ever lived on the face of the earth and in the Bible recorded. So, so every time, let's just say Enoch said, you know, man, Methuselah's got a fever. It's, it's, I mean, is he going to die? I mean, it's the day, is God coming today? Is the judgment coming today? I mean, could you imagine growing up with that child and you really believe God for what he was saying, for what he was truth, that when he dies, it's coming. That'd be quite a parent, parenting crisis, I would say. I mean, that would make me walk a little taller and, and, and live a little straighter, I guess you can say like that. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is coming. And it should affect me today and how I live based on God's will. And God's will says that he's not willing that any should perish. So what is the will of God? You think about it in that perspective. You know, um, uh, is that... Enoch was, was a preacher. He believed that Christ was coming. He believed, and he was a preacher. And, and, and he, I mean, and God loved him and took him. It did, he didn't see death. You know, all these things because he believed something about really the will of God. The Bible says here, so in First Peter, look in uh, Hebrews chapter five. Look in Hebrews chapter five. Um, let me get there. got a new Bible. I'm trying to break it in. So Hebrews chapter 5, the Bible says in verse 5, it says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have I begotten thee. And he, say, and he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest of, uh, forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, look who he's talking about. He's talking about the Lord. Though he were a son, yet, he le- yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. So he's talking about the Garden of Eden. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, he, what was he praying? He was crying, he was suffering, he was pleading with God. And what was he pleading? He said, Lord... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, what? Thy will be done. What was his will? What was he trying to get across? He's saying, God, if you'll just change your mind here, I'll give it up. But God, if you still want to save these people, that's what he's talking about. God, if you still want to save Daniel Edge, if you still want to save those people out 2,000 years later, all those people that have, that, that have just denied you and hate you, all these people are going to beat me and stuff. You just want to change your mind, God. I will, I'm begging, I'm pleading, but nevertheless, let your will be done. What is the will of God? You say, well, it's a job. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you, the job I have, I love my job. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to the same place every day. I, I, I have new experiences Every single day I'm going to different restaurants and, and hotels and, and, and hospitals and, and I'm meeting new people every day. I love it. I don't have to, I mean, I don't have to check into office every day. I, I, I pretty much run my own schedule. I mean, it's, I mean, I love it. The customers, I talk to them. I don't have to deal between, you know, third party, this, that, and the other. It's just, 
you know, they're hearing it straight from the camel's mouth, the horse's mouth, whatever you want to call it. And, and, but the truth of the matter is that's not the will of God. That's just a means to pay my bills. Do I, th- do I feel like that's where God wants me at? Yes, but not to, not to just live my life. It's to reach people with the gospel. On a weekly basis, I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely the talker in our family. I can tell you that. I mean, I, I mean she, you know, y'all know that. But, I mean, I'm a talker. And, and I, will, I will talk and talk and talk. And me and pastors talk before in his office. I, I bet because me and him used to, uh, man, five hours one time, four or five hours, just sitting talking. <laughs> uh, uh, some, some were good conversations. Some were as I was in trouble. But, you know, hey, you live, you learn, right? <laughs> but... But, uh, you know, I mean, that's growing in grace, right? But, but, but the thing is, is that, is that I, I, I just, I enjoy talking to people. But look, that's, you know, if, if you can contain, and this was convicting me, if you contain all of my talking and compare it to what, to what the will of God is for my life and how much I've failed in telling others about Christ. You know, I met a young lady today that I haven't seen in a while. And she's never been in the youth group, actually. Um, but I knew I know who she was. She was actually Miss Lindsay's class, and uh, and I, I was driving by, and she when I walked into Odell's, um, she uh, she looked at me and she's a ninth grader now, but she was in Miss Lindsay's class when she was here, so pre twenty twenty. Um, she she saw me, and and I and I was talking to somebody and telling them something about their mixers that I had. And I turned around and I saw her and I said, man, she looks familiar. And I thought about it and I was talking. I said, I said, I know you. She said, yeah. She said, I used to go to y'all's church. And I said, well, I said, we'd sure love to have you back. And still in my mind, I'm like, I know this girl. I know her name. I know her name. And then I said, your name's this. And her eyes lit up. Like, I mean, he knew my name. And she's never been in my class. And, you know, here's the thing. It opened a door to talk with her just a little bit longer because it was such an amazing thing. That's the will of God. I could have went in there. I was, I was looking at a mixer. But because God opened up a door doing my job to talk to the young lady, to encourage her, hey, love to see you back in church. We'd love to. And, you know, I don't know if she's saved or not. That's, that's between her and the Lord. But the truth is, is that, is that she, she has a place here. I don't know why she don't that she she don't, she felt comfortable enough to let me know that she loves this place and she wants she she's been here before and things like that and she knew the teachers and 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 is talking about those things but it opened up a door. You see, Paul, I was thinking about when Paul didn't start this church, but he's writing this church and he's telling them how much he how much he's heard of them, he's loved them, and he's cared for them, he's, and all these things. You know, that encourages people to serve the Lord a little more. The guy I've never seen before just sent me a letter. Telling me, you know, he's praying for me. He's heard of our faith. He's sitting in jail. He's serving God. And he's sitting in jail and he's telling us, just keep up the work. Keep the fire going. Keep the hunger going. But what he most importantly was telling them was, keep spreading the faith. Keep pushing the gospel. You look in the first like uh, nine verses there. He says the, like the hope of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, the faith that's, that I've heard of you. And he's telling him, he, I mean, that's the first thing he's telling his letter. And he said, I'm hearing all these things. I'm seeing all these things. All this stuff's going on. What is all the will of God about? It's about reaching others. Now, 
like I said, there's veins out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, a job might be the will of God because there might be somebody there that needs, needs Christ there that only you can reach. A high school. I was homeschooled. But you know, there's people there. I mean, people think I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, what are you homeschooled for? <laughs> it's like, that's just horrible on them kids. And, uh, and so, so uh, you know, I obliged to tell her, you know, why? Because, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know and, and I started telling her a little bit. And most of the time, I, I actually target public schools first. Because most of the time, if they're 50 and 60 years old, they have no idea what's going on in public schools. <laughs> and you tell them about it, and they're like, oh, my word. No wonder. And I don't really got to defend homeschooling after that. But the, but the truth is, is that, is that when I'm talking about people think that we just keep our kids in a little shelter and they never get to talk anymore. Let me tell you something. My three little girls will talk your ears off <laughs> if you give them a shot. I mean, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're, they're very outgoing. I mean, but the, but the thing is, is uh, and I'm getting on a big rabbit trail here. I'm fixing to shoot it, all right? So, <laughs> but the thing is, is that, is that God allows us to be in places and things like that because there's a bigger, greater mission involved. The will of God is just as simple as it sounds. It's like Christ crying out in the garden. He said, God, if, if you'll turn it away, if you'll put it away, if you'll get rid of it, God, I'm, I, but nevertheless, your will. What is that will that Daniel can get saved? You know, we... we it's, it's an amazing thing. I, I've, again, I'm thinking about growth. God, not Daniel, God reaching others with these hands. If, if, if I'm living the, in the will of God, it means that I'll get up in the morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, prep my day, and at 7.30 I get in the truck. And at 7.30 till I get home, my mission, yes, to fix equipment, but also to fix broken homes and broken hearts and broken lives by giving the gospel, by caring for people and loving for people, loving on people. So we see the will of God here. David said it best when he said that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Let me ask you something. You got to work, and I'm on point one. I've got to hurry because I want point three is my target. So, 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 but here's the thing: is David was saying that there be a God in Israel. Let me ask you something. If you're at work, what is the goal? What do people look at you and say that all the earth may know that there's a God in your life? Because in a sense, it's what David was saying. So, what is the will of God? Now we look at also the second point: our walk with God. In verse 9, the Bible says, and we'll, we'll go through these pretty, these are pretty selfish because I want to get to the third point. Um, uh, again, I'm cramming four, four lessons into one. <laughs> so um, our walk with God. Verse 9, the Bible says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard, of, heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Look, underline that if you've got a, a marker. Knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now, I looked at this word pleasing, and I, and I thought in the sense that it's just like, well, I just like, you know, with my wife, I'd like to please her. And, you know, I was actually at, a, you know, speaking of the benefits of working in restaurants, uh, I don't know if you know where Canyon Grill is, but I was up there working the other day, and they gave me $40 worth of gift certificates and also $40 or $30 worth of cakes. If you ever ate there, 
that's two pieces of cake for 30 bucks. <laughs> so, but, but that cake is awesome, and they gave it to me for free. So I'm looking forward to pleasing my wife and taking her to Canyon Grill sometime without the youngins. But, <laughs> but, but, the, thing, but the thing is, is that's not really what this word's saying. It actually is more, more in a sense that, is that you're, you're kind of uh, walking up to my wife, and she's going to love this, you know, is just, it's just saying, all right, I'm handing everything to you willingly. My life, my Elmer, I was holding out for money. But, but the thing is, it's handing it all willingly to her and being content with what she does with it. You see, sometimes we, we get in a pity party, you know, and, and, and I, I remember there was a lady at our church, uh, uh, the church that I fell through the, 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 the seat with. Man, there was 20 people in this church, and if there was somebody I would try to avoid asking how her day was, that's hard to do in people with 20 people, but she would just, I mean, it was just, I mean, she was a hypochondriac, she was this and that, and it was just, and it was just I mean, give me a long string, it's just like, well, praise the Lord, bless, bless your heart, you know, and you're sitting there just like, I mean, on and on, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah God's good, yeah, but yeah, I know that's rough, you know, but God's, God's still good, mm-hmm, yeah, and you just on and on and on and on, and we spend so much time in, in a negative sense thinking, well, this is be, 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 uh, has fought, befallen me and old me, old my, and everything, instead of looking at it from perspective that, God, I've handed you my life, and I'm going to be pleased and content with what you do with it. This is so. So um, when we look at that word of uh, moving on with that unto all pleasing, so we're walking worthy in in the will of God, walking or, or um, yeah, walking in, the, in with God in His will. We see first of all this pleasing, but it, but it also says being fruitful in every good work, just being being fruitful in what you're doing, uh, increasing in the knowledge of God. This is uh, part of we we tell our teenagers all the time: get in your Bible, read your Bible, pray every day. You know. Um, uh, William's usually my, my uh, go-to uh, uh, bring up front and do something like put uh, macaroni cheese powder in water and think, make him think it's orange juice, you know, <laughs> and have him drink it. You know, he's that guy, you know, <laughs> but uh, he drank the whole thing. But, uh, but anyways, you know, I, I, I gave him a Bible one time, or it wasn't a Bible, but I gave him something and just said it was like the Word of God. And I said, but it does no good when you don't open it. It, it absolutely you know, it's a waste of time for you just to hold it and say, I have the knowledge of God in my hands. You have to open it and apply it. So the Bible's talking about this increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthen with all might. Um, and so, so strengthen ourselves in the Lord according to His glorious power and to all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. And here's the thing, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath, which hath made, me, uh, made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, now here's the thing. You know, he, the last thing he gives here is talking about thankfulness. And, and the amazing thing is the first thing he really talks about, and I can't remember, I believe it was in uh, uh, James. I might be wrong. I didn't write it down. But, but he talks about a generation that's unthankful. It's very important that we have thankfulness in our, in our Christian life and our walk, all right? So getting through the, our walk with God because I really wanted to get to the third point because I've got what, five minutes to get there. So, all right. so here, the work that the will of God does in our life. Look in verse, uh, verse uh, 20, 23. The Bible says of chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, it says, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, 
and which, had, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, we now, who now jo- rejoice in my suffering for you, and fill, uh, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church. So we look at this Bible says if you the Bible says if you continue in faith grounded and settled. So working at the word of God or the work of God or the work of the that the will of God does in our life first of all it grounds us. Um, this word ground uh, actually means to lay a basis for. You know, if you want to be that kind of person that reaches people and and does the will of God in your life, you can't do it if you're constantly shuffling around. You're you're not nailed down to something. You know, I remember uh, back in, I think it was uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, or or somewhere in Galveston, somewhere down there, there was a tor- uh, there was a hurricane that hit there. And I remember, uh, y'all may have seen it on the beach, but there was a beach there, and every house on that beach was leveled, except one. I mean, that house didn't look touched. Uh, and, and everybody, the news people were bragging about, man, that builder's going to get going to get uh, uh, some extra, you know, extra work because, I mean, out of all them houses were wiped out, this one stood. In other words, it had a better foundation than everything else on that beach. And, and in a sense, in our Christian life, when we're doing the will of God and we're, we're asking God to help, you can't really you know, accomplish the will of God without settling, without grounding some things in your life or building a basis to, to anchor some things, which leads to the second word, it settles. The Bible says that, that uh, um, verse 23, it says, grounded and settled. Settled means to make it immovable. So you first, be, the, the will of God starts to ground some things or to make a basis to anchor things to, and then, the, and then it settles you. It anchors it to be unmovable. And, and so when we get to that point, when we think about um, um, in, in our life, the work that the will of God is doing, it's about accomplishing, letting God do, do a work from the Word of God in our lives to make us into the Christians, which is to be that person that's Christ-like to reach a lost and dying world. We're coming up on our missions conference. And we have tracks, we have door hangers, we have you know, all these things to do, really, the work of reaching people. Um, I did a, a, a lesson with the teenagers before I started this, and I was showing them different ways you can reach people for the Lord. Um, I told them how to, I showed them how to do the door hanger look. It's real simple, and run. You know, that's a really good way of doing it. You know, <laughs> you know? and so then there's another way. You know, you can go up to somebody and. and Seventeen ninety nine. This McDonald's is getting rough. Here, Jesus loves you. Hand him a track and go on. You know, <laughs> you know, you know. There's different ways you can reach people. And then you could just be like me. I, I'm like I said. It's it's a lot easier for me to talk to people. Uh, but here's the problem: as easy it is for me to talk to people when it's shifting to that spiritual side, when it's up to me, Daniel won't do it. That's the truth. As, as easy as to talk to people and go on, it's that mental side where you sit there, or that spiritual side and that, and that, uh, uh, that physical side sitting there saying, you don't want to say, ah, it's not time to bring that up. Come on. But if I'm not yielding or seeking to please the Lord, 
handing it over to the Lord, then I'll just sit there and say, man, that's a nice car you got there. Yeah, a nice motor. What is that? Mm-hmm, yeah. And you got some good wheels. Who painted it? Yeah, well, that's nice. You got some Flowmasters and Magnaflows on that thing. Straight pipe. Against the government, too. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> you know? Well, I reckon I'm going to run on. It's nice talking to you, man. I, uh, it's that, it's that, you know, you think, I mean, he's a talker. He should be able to do that. That's no problem for him. That's no problem for me. That's no problem for you if you're that type of person. But why is it so difficult when we talk about everything under the sun, but when we want to switch to that spiritual side, we struggle a little bit with it. Because we think it's all about me. And I preach this not to really to any of y'all, it's to me. Because the most arrogant and self, uh, I can fix it, guy in this church is me. You give me a problem, if she comes to me with a problem, I'm automatically thinking how to fix it. It don't matter if it's relationships problems, if it's truck problems, if it's house problems, you know, uh, um, I think preacher said, you know, people like, uh, you know, me annoying because they, I mean, in a sense, they can fix everything. And the truth of the matter is I'm not, I'm just not afraid to break something because I know I can fix what I break. But, but the truth of the matter, I mean, it, it's, uh, um, that's my mindset. And, you know, it rolls over into my spiritual life and I get to the point where it's like, I can teach this class. I can help these teenagers. I've got home with Melissa and got in the car and said, you know, it's aggravating. I can fix this if they were in my home. I can fix the problem. And God said, no, you can't. I've said that many a times. I can fix it. Boy, if they'd got in my house for a week, I could fix it. That's the real me. And we have to understand something about God and growing. That it's not me. It's God reaching others with these hands. If I can get to the point to where I can teach my Sunday school class and and help these teenagers, not in my own strength, not in my own way, but letting God have full control of Daniel. Imagine what God could do with those teenagers. Imagine what God could do with little old me if I just let God do His will in my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't know what it's, what it's like to lay your head on a pillow at night and have some peace. April the 5th, 2009, God convicted my heart about being saved. And I remember at Ware Baptist Church right in the front, front of the pulpit there, I cried and was asking God to, to, to fix the messes there. And I finally just broke down and said, God, I'm, I'm lost. 
I need to be saved. And I'm telling you, instantly, I had peace. If you don't know what that's like to lay your head on a pillow at night and absolute peace, I tell you, today's the day to find out what it's about. You're missing out. You're wasting your life if you don't know what it's like to be saved. As a Christian, are you doing the will of God? Are you growing? Thinking of the perspective of God using you to reach others where you're at. God desires it. Are you surrendered to Him? Let God use use you. Stand, if you will, and I begin playing. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Let God have His way in your life. It's a struggle that everybody struggles with, letting God have His way. He most assuredly wants to see a great work at Tiftonia Baptist Church. Going back to the thing I talked about with Methuselah. He lived name meaning when when he dies it comes in 2nd Peter it talks about the Lord said I'm not slack I will come he's coming I still have one that hadn't been saved yet in my family we're praying that she does get saved I'm not ready for him to come let God have his way in your life As he said, let's do our part with these brochures, those flyers we have. Let's give them out and uh, put on, put those door hangers on there, and and also uh, the fall festival. These are outreaches, and God can use us. We're just praying that we can be used. Or you want to be used? Let's do that tomorrow. And anywhere you go, uh, let God help us to be used for Him this week. Looking forward to it. If you're visiting tonight, God bless you for being here. We're so glad you're here. And so let's be uh, dismissed in prayer. Again, thank you. And looking forward to Wednesday night. Be back in our places. Looking forward to Brother Market. And continue praying for our pastor and others. And let's, don't forget the funeral tomorrow for Brother Tim's mom. Uh, if you can go to that, uh, be a blessing. Brother Jim Beeler, would you lift your voice and pray for us? Our Father, we're grateful.